God, we love you. And how cool is it, God, to just be able to spend some time here together this morning, opening up your word, talking about you, talking about the story that we read in Scripture, the story of Scripture. God, my prayer this morning is the same as my prayer every week. God, I pray that you would just speak through me this morning. I I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about you and for your glory and your kingdom. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, actually in, uh, I believe, week 11 (laughs) of Multiply. We took a little break in the middle. Uh, but we're in week 11 uh, as we just kind of keep, keep going through this book. Uh, and honestly, this part has been probably my favorite so far. We've, we've talked about being a disciple. We've talked about the church. We've talked about the Bible in, uh, in general. And now we're kind of going through the story of the Bible. Right? And here's really the point of this. As a disciple who makes disciples, we need to be able to tell the story of God. And so how do we tell the story of God if we don't know the story of God? And so we're spending the next, I don't even know how many weeks, just talking through the story of God. And last week was uh, was starting at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. It's on page one of my Bible, probably page one of yours. It's literally the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we watched that video last week that was just, if you didn't leave in awe of God last week, you might need to watch it again, because there, I, I don't know how you could leave watching that video thinking, yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> I could do that. I got that, right? Uh, if you missed last week uh, and you have a computer, you can go watch that video online. Uh, you just go to YouTube and type in, uh, how great is our God, uh, and Louie, L-O-U-I-E, Giglio, G-I-G-L-I-O, all right? Uh, and you can watch that whole thing. It's about a 40-minute video. Uh, but man, if you don't leave just in awe of who God is after that video, uh, there's something wrong with you. But we, we, <clears throat> we started with creation, right? God made everything good. Amen? Genesis 1 and 2. When God said, let there be light, there was light. And he said it was good. He made the earth and everything in it, and he said it was good. He made the expanses and the seas, and he said that it was good. He made us, human beings, and he said we were very good. God made everything good. That goodness lasted a whole two chapters. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, everything was amazing. God created us, humans, in, in his own image, right? In, in God's own image, we were, we were created And it only took really the five chapters for God to be able to say that he regretted making humans, right? Turn to Genesis chapter 6 with me. I I want you to see this. Sometimes people don't believe me that this is actually in the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 says this, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. We're in chapter 6 of the Bible here, folks. And the Lord is already regretting making human beings. What happened? How do we get to this point? How do we get to this point where we're made in, in God's image? Think about this. Think about how, how amazing human beings are. We are made in the image of God. 
We have the capacity to reason. We have, the, we have rational thought. We have the capacity to discern things. We have, we have the capacity for hard work and, and artistic, artistic creativity. We, we create, we design, we do all this kind of stuff. This is who God made us to be. So what happened as God creates us in his image, perfectly good? In Genesis 1 and 2, to, to, to basically three chapters later, in Genesis chapter 6, God says that he regretted making humans. What happened? We're going to walk through what happened this morning. This next chapter of, of the book is just about the fall. What, ha- what happened? How did we get to this point? And, and what happens from there? I, I want to just have a thought this morning before we, before we start reading. We're going to read Genesis 3 this morning. And I just want, I want us to, to understand this thought. As humans, we were created by God. But as humans, we have the capacity and and we are corrupted by sin. As humans, we are created by God, but we are corrupted by sin. Let's read the story of of how we get to this point. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. We learn later on in Revelation that this serpent is none other than Satan, right? And so here's some things you need to know about Satan, just from that one verse, right? That Satan is a created being. Satan is not a god. Satan is, has, has no, no power over God. Satan is a created thing, okay? <clears throat> now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, I find it no coincidence this morning that the very first words of Satan in the Bible are to cast doubt on what God has said. Think about how sin starts. Sin starts by by the doubt in our mind that God actually meant what he says he meant. Did God really say you cannot eat from that tree? And he did actually say that, right? The, <clears throat> in Genesis chapter 2, we hear that story of God saying, you can eat of any tree in the garden, just not this one. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Nice job, Adam, right? I love that that part is in there. She gave some to her husband, who was with her that whole time, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just want you to see this 
if this was Genesis 1 and 2, this is part of the perfect creation. Walking with the Lord God in the garden in the cool of the day. Just the fact that they recognized what the sound was means that that they had probably done that a few times before. And think about this. This is, this is the perfect creation, Genesis 1 and 2, that God is his perfect creation, and he's walking with Adam and with Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. Man, how amazing is that? So they hear this. They hear, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, (laughs) It was her. The man said, The woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Blame game starts here, right? man said, It was her. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And just to be fair for Adam, I hear some people say, uh, that he shouldn't just be saying, this, this woman that you got me here, right? Eve didn't have a name until verse 20, okay? So he, he couldn't say Eve. He didn't know what was her name yet, okay? So the woman you gave me, right? And then 12, the man said, I'm sorry, 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, have you guys heard this joke before? I'm going to stop. <clears throat> so God, God talks to Adam, and he says, what have you done? And he says, it was her. And then he talks to Eve, and he says, it was a serpent. And then God talks to the serpent, but he didn't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Anyways. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and woman, and between your offspring and hers, He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth, childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Though Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So this is the story of how everything went south. Took two chapters and one temptation for humans to, to begin to doubt how God had made them and the commands that he had given them. Did God really say, you can't eat from any tree? Yeah, he did say that. 
You're not going to die. Just go ahead. It's not going to hurt. Just go ahead and do it. How many of you have heard that temptation before? Right, this, is, this, is, this is really how it starts. I think you know, as, we, as we unpack this whole idea of, of sin and sin entering the picture of humanity, I, I want to I get some help this morning from the book of Romans. Right? And I want to read a few different passages in Romans through the lens of Genesis 3, okay? through the lens of the fall. And there's a couple things I just want to talk about sin this morning. And the first one really is, is, is found in Romans chapter 3, uh, verse, starting at verse 9. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 9. And this is, this is a truth about sin, that we have all rebelled against God. We have all rebelled against God. Right? Adam and Eve did it, but it, but it kind of transfers down the line to us as well. We have all rebelled against God. Here's what uh, chapter, Romans chapter 3 Verse 9 through verse 12 say. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no, there is no one who does good, not even one. Right, we have all rebelled against God. There is no one righteous, not even one, Romans 3 says. He's quoting a few different Old, Old Testament passages here, Paul is. But not even one. There is no one righteous, not even one. See, here's the thing about, about sin, right? Here's the essence of sin. The, the, the order that God has given us for our lives is really this. God first, others second, self last. And here's what happens when, when, when sin comes into the picture. It kind of flips those around. And self becomes the first thing that we think about. And then we sometimes think about other people, but a lot of times it's to get something from them or out of them. And then God is, is somewhere on the back burner if he's even in the picture at all. all right, this is really the essence of sin. The essence of sin is, is self Right, think about this. Uh, we probably wouldn't say that we, we worship ourselves, but if you think about our, our vocabulary, how many words that we say start with the word self? We have self-help books. We talk about our self-esteem. We talk about self-centered, being self-centered, having some self-confidence, self-pity, right? self Self-motivation, right? There's so many different self-words you, you could use. That our, our world is focused upon me, myself, and I. It's focused on yourself. And this is, this is really the essence of sin is, is focusing on yourself before anything else. Before focusing on God, before focusing on others, you focus on yourself. This is the essence. We have rebelled against God. God had a created order. God, others, self. We've rebelled against that. We've flipped that around, self others, and then maybe God. Sometimes it's even just a little g God. This is, this is really the essence of sin, though. We've, we've really rebelled in, in two different ways. There's two different kind of types of rebellion, right? The first is self-indulgence. There's another self-word for you, right? 
self-indulgence, right? We just do whatever feels right. Whatever our, whatever our heart desires, we're going to chase it, we're going to go after it because I get what I want and I want what I get. All right, self-indulgence. We, we live kind of according to our own pulses and what our heart desires. This is exactly what Adam and Eve did, right? You look back in Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say that you couldn't eat this? Yeah, he did say that, or else if he said if we did it, we would die. You're not going to die. And then the next phrase is what? When, at, when, Eve, when the woman saw that the fruit of, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was, was good to eat and pleasing to the eye, she took some and she ate it. Right, it was self-indulgence. It was, it was reversing that, right? It's not, no longer about what God says. It's about what I want. That does look good. You're right, serpent, talking snake that, I, that I'm talking to right now. You, you are absolutely right. That fruit absolutely looks good. I'm going to have some of that. Even though God said no, right? There's self-indulgence. There's also kind of self-righteousness. I think this is one of those harder ones to, to grasp, though. Think about this. There, there are a lot of people who, who, are, who are, would proclaim themselves as Christian, but they hold to this ideal that as long as I pray, as long as I worship, as long as I, as long as I do the things I'm supposed to do, I'm going to be saved. As long as I stay on the straight and narrow, I'm going to be saved. But I would argue this morning that that kind of thinking misses the gospel just as much as the self-indulgence does. Because by just trying to say, if I do this and this and this, I'll, I'll, I'll be saved. You're earning it. You're trying to earn it. And salvation comes through no other person than Jesus Christ, through the grace of God. No one is saved except by the grace of God. Even self-righteousness at some points can be sinful. As we try and do it ourselves. Right? Rebellion is, is all about us. We have all rebelled against God. Here's the, the second truth about sin is that we are all separated from God. Because we have rebelled from, uh, from God, we are all separated from God. Just a little bit later in, in chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I mean, think about the, the video last week. And if you missed this, this last week, just think about, about God, this, this holy God, this, this creator God, this God that is, that is the star breather, right? This same God who is holy and pure and perfect God. He is a just God. And think about this. If, if God is holy and if God is just and if God is pure and we sin, and we are no longer pure, or we are no longer holy, or we are no longer, we can no longer be in this relationship with God. We have to be separated from God. There's no other choice. God literally has no other choice than to separate us from himself. I mean, you go back to Genesis 3, and this is, this is essentially what's happening here. Right? In verse 6, we see, this, we see the rebellion, right? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband. Verse 7, here's, here's kind of where the separation comes in. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Right? Part, of, part of separation from God is feeling shame. 
The feeling of shame never comes from God. The feeling of shame is always a feeling from Satan. They were ashamed. The eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves, and then not only the shame hit, but the guilt hit, right? And they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the garden, and they hide. Why would they hide? Because they know. They know they've done something wrong. They know they've done something wrong. When your kids are in the other room and it gets quiet for a little bit (laughs) and you know something is going on and you walk in, their first instinct, what is their first instinct? It's definitely not to look you in the eyes. I don't know. It wasn't me. It was her. (laughs) It was her. She made me do it. No, he made me do it. Maybe that's just my house. I don't know. She made me do it. No, he made me do it, right? But there's this thing of not wanting to take ownership. We, we, we hide, right? Because we know that there's, there's some separation there between who we were created to be, who we need to be, and, and something we've just done or who we now are. Right? Sin automatically separates us from God. It, it, it has to. Because of the character of God, sin has to separate us from God. And here's the last thing about sin. Sin, uh, with sin in our lives, we are dead. We are dead without God. Because of the separation, we are dead without God. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. I'm going to read this next part because I want to get into this. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are dead without God. We're dead without God. We are, we are physically dead without God, right? This was not the plan in Genesis 1 and 2. The plan in Genesis 1 and 2 is that we would live eternally with God the Father, walking in the cool of the garden with him, right? This was the original plan, and then we sin and we, death comes into the picture, There's physical death that comes along with sin, but there's also spiritual death because of sin, right? Because we sin before an an infinitely holy God, an infinitely eternal God, because of that, because of his justness, we deserve an eternal sentence, right? Ephesians chapter 2 says that we're dead in our sins, right? We We are spiritually dead and physically dead in our sins, and don't miss this, because of our deadness. We are completely unable to save ourselves. Because we are dead, we are completely unable to save ourselves. Think about this. How many of you, before you were born, decided, I want to be born now? No. Dead things don't just come to life. Dead things don't have a choice. They can't just come back when they want to come back, right? These are, this is not the way we work we are dead with sin. So, so, how, so someone has to do that. And now we're getting into the gospel. 
Right? We are separated from God because of our sins. We, re- we rebelled from God. We are separated from God. And because of that separation, we are dead in our sins. But God, but God, because of, in Ephesians chapter 2, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to read this with me. We are dead in our sins. But verse 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Man, this is the gospel. This is it right here. We rebelled against God. We were separated from God. We are dead in our sins. But because of the grace of God, we can be made alive again. Because of the grace of God, the, the, the Bible doesn't end on Genesis chapter 6 when God regretted making human beings. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even end in chapter 11 with the Tower of Mount. It doesn't even end there. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. He turned back to Genesis chapter 3 and we already kind of see this, this grace of God come into play. Right, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. I love this imagery here. That even in their guilt, even in their shame, as they're hiding, right? They made some makeshift things with some fig leaves. But it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for them, and he clothed them before he sent them out. All right, let's finish this chapter. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. God clothes them and he sends them out and he guards the tree of life. I want you to see how the story ends. Just go to the back of the book with me. Go to Revelation chapter 22. And we return to the Garden of Eden. Here's what he says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Comes in the picture again. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Here's the best part of this story. Creation was perfect. We lived in the Garden of Eden. God walked in the cool of the day in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then in the end of the book, what do we read? And the tree of life is available for all. 
The leaves of the tree are are for the healing of the nations. The fruit yields its crop for everyone. So how do we get from from Genesis chapter 6 to Revelation 22? How do we get from God regretting making human beings all the way to where we are now living in the garden with him? That the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Right, that we can eat of this of this fruit. How do we get there? And that's a long story. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next how many weeks? Right, because really the end, the 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 rest of the story is this: that God from 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 God created us perfect. Genesis one and chapter two, Genesis three through like eleven. Right, is just the rebellion, and then from that point on, God is just in the business of restoring of calling people back to him and saying, I love you, I want you back. I want you to live in eternity with me. I I need you, I love you, I want you back. The grace of God is how we get to Revelation 22. We are separated from God because we rebelled against God. That separation has us dead in our sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Later on in Ephesians 2, it says, not by, not by works, so that it is by grace you've been saved, not by works, so that no one can boast. You cannot save yourself you are dead in your sins dead things can't just come back to life it is only through the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that you may be saved that's the gospel and that's the rest of this book Here's where we are so far in our story. <laughs> Here's how much we have left to go. Can I tell you something? This is how much God loves you. I'm excited to unpack that as we go forward. Let's pray. God, man, we are so thankful for you. Thankful for your presence in this place, God, and thank you so much for the grace that you'll bestow on us. God, this morning we understand that we have rebelled against you. We have put ourselves first instead of putting you first, God. We've, we've rebelled against you. And because of that rebellion, we are separated from you. And because of that separation, we are dead in our sins. God, this week, may we be just reminded over and over and over again of your grace that gives us life, of the, gra- of the grace of God that, that just breathes life into us again. God, would you just remind us over and over and over again? And would we be able to share your story with someone this week? Now give us a boldness to make a difference where we find ourselves. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go. So just hold your hands out 
Just receive this. May the God of all glory and all grace, God who is rich in mercy, who made you alive in Christ, may he go with you and may he go ahead of you this week. May you be bold for him and make a difference for him in the community you find yourselves in. And may he just remind you of his love and of his grace and of his mercy in your life this week. And may you find yourselves thankful. Go in peace. Amen and amen. Amen.